It's really important to keep in mind attractive and not attracting. For even if a woman is totally and fully covered, but if her outfit is so provocative or so bright or so tight or so eye-catching, then she's actually not dressed modestly. But Sneas, I realize over time, is not only about modesty in clothing. It's also modesty in speech, modesty in how we conduct ourselves in public places or with other couples, body language that we give off. It could even mean in the way we make simchos, walk modestly with your God, even in how we make simchos. It's the overall sensitivity and modesty of the Jewish woman. I have an amazing story that really shows us the significance of even the little things when it comes to tzniyas. I read this story in a book called Seas and Sprouts by Perry Kaff. He was a little boy by the name of Srila Katz who was collecting branches for the Hadlaka on Lagba Omer. After a while, he needed a little rest. It was hard work. And he hoisted himself up onto a big old swing that dangled from thick ropes that were tied around a sturdy branch. By the way, this story takes place in Yerushalayim. You know how children go back and forth and twist, back and forth and twist, and they twist the whole swing, and then they go, and they go fast the other way? Well, he was going back and forth and back and forth, and all of a sudden, he realized he was stuck, stuck, stuck. Little fiery needles were pricking his lungs, and red and black dots were swimming in his line of vision. Srilok's little neck was caught in the twisted ropes, its thick strands, gripping his airways shut. Desperately, he struggled for breath, fighting with the tight cords. But with every move, they only got more entangled. Srilok's strangled, winded streaks barely penetrated the din of the child- childish cries all around him, and crucial moments ticked away painfully. When help finally arrived, Srilok's face was a hopeless, pasty gray. His body limp and unresponsive. He was hovering between life and death. At the hospital, the doctor's prognosis was bleak and disheartening. They made it clear that even if the child would regain consciousness, he would remain paralyzed for the rest of his life, for he had lost too much oxygen. But with children to tend to and Parnassa to worry about, Mr. and Mrs. Katz had to leave him in the hospital in a coma. Mrs. Katz says it was so, so hard to live life in this pathetic no-man's land when their Srilik wasn't exactly gone, but wasn't really alive either. One early afternoon, some months after the incident, the Katzes received a remarkable phone call. As the caller introduced himself, Reb Shaya's eyes widened in surprise. It was Hagon Reb David Frankel, one of Yushalayim's great and holy men. I want to share with you a dream that I had this past night, how Reb David Frankel began, and I'm hoping you can help me find meaning of this dream. Up in the base in Shamala, I saw that there were three open crates. One was inscribed with the word Neshamos. The second crate had the inscription, Lachayim, to life. And the third one bore the word, Lamaves, to death. I was watching as the heavenly court kept drawing names out of the crate labeled Neshamos. Each name was then placed either in the box inscribed with Lachayim or in the other crate. As soon as a name was placed in either box, the fate of the Neshama was sealed. Rabshaya, the father, had listened rapidly to this remarkable account, wondering how such divine matters pertain to a simple man like him. Soon the name Yisrael ben Chana Shendel was drawn from the Neshama's crate. I recognize your son's name since I continuously dab him for his recovery. The basin Shamal declared Lamaves to death. As your son's name was being placed in its ordained crate, a blue pair of scissors suddenly appeared from the Machane Hudashik here in Yerushalayim, and the scissors immediately cut up the note into tiny shreds. I couldn't understand this frightening dream, Rabbi David Frankel concluded. I'm repeating it to you the way I saw it. 
Rabshaya ended the call in a bewildered daze. The dream sounded encouraging, but what was all this about a blue pair of scissors from the Machana Yehuda? Suddenly, his thoughts were interrupted as the phone rang yet again. It was Professor Muller from the hospital. A crisp voice came through the line. Is this Mr. Katz? Yes, it is. Did something happen? Yes, please come to the hospital immediately. Their hearts fluttering between dread and cautious hope. Rabshai and his wife practically flew to the hospital. Professor Muller was waiting for them at the entrance to the ward, his face unreadable. I wanted to inform you in person about a recent development, he explained. There is no medical or logical explanation to this, Professor Muller began, before any of them were seated, but this is what happened for no apparent reason. Your son Yisrael emerged from his coma this morning. We did extensive testing, and there seems to be no repercussions, which is highly, shall I say, impossible, given his complete lack of oxygen for a significant amount of time. The doctor spread his hands out and shook his head. We've already prepared the discharge documents. The nurse will give you the papers to sign. Less than an hour later, Rabshai and his wife left the hospital in a cloud of ecstasy, their walking miracle between them. It was only close to midnight. When the festivities were over and the children were finally all in bed, that Rabshaya and his wife could finally catch their breaths and think about the day's dramatic events. Remember what the doctor said the day of the tragedy? That if he'll ever wake up, he'll be paralyzed for life? Hanashendal sh- shuddered, remembering that dark day. Srila's recovery today is clearly above nature, a real miracle. You know, she continued, there were so many tefillos and schools and kabbalos accumulating in heaven adding merit for Srilik's recovery, though I wonder, I wonder whether there was one special schluss that was the catalyst for this Yeshua. Rabshaya clapped his palm to his forehead with all the joyous t- tumult. He hadn't yet told her about how Rab David Frankel's dream. In a voice filled with awe, Rabshaya recounted Rab David's astounding dream. When he reached the puzzling climax about the blue scissors, Hanashenel's eyebrows shot up. A blue Oh, oh, her hand flew to her mouth. <gasps> my scissors, my blue sewing scissors from the Machana Yehuda Shuk. As a talented seamstress, Hannah Shandl was a steady customer of a small fabric st- shop in the Shuk. Every so often she would go to the Machana Yehuda Shuk to replenish her stock of material or to fill a custom order. The shopkeeper already knew that after selecting her purchases, Mrs. Katz would hand in her own pair of scissors. Her professional sewing scissors cut smoothly and precisely, and Hannah Shandl wanted only the very best for her clients. This past week, when I went out shopping, Hannah Shandl related, her voice thick with emotion and disbelief, I didn't hand my blue scissors to the man. Instead, I placed it on the counter. I asked Hashem that in this chus of my new hider in Sneas, my son Yusrol ben Hannah Shandl should have a refuah shalema. Who knows how many prayers Kabbalos and tears ascended to heaven on behalf of our son. But ultimately, it seems that the act that tipped the scales was an immeasurable improvement in Sneas. Ladies, see what power it wields. The modest deed of a righteous mother was able to rend the heavenly decree to transcend the workings of nature. Yes, ladies, we see the significance of even the small things when it comes to modesty.